Corey is the area director for uh, the Greater Denton Area Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Um, he has helped me as a student pastor, um, even in indirectly before I even met Corey face to face, help expand sort of my network in this area for, for getting in touch and, and meeting students and, and having an impact there. And so, uh, Corey, you're a blessing to our community, um, to young students, and, and I, I know that you're going to be a blessing to us this morning. Um, I'm excited to hear uh, from you as well. Micah serves on the board of FCA for the Greater Denton area, and so he works closely with Pastor Micah, um, and, and we're just blessed to have you this morning. So will you guys welcome Corey Largent. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here for my second ever sermon in a church. My first was at 9.30 this morning. So just excited to be here. Uh, Y'all give it up for Grant. He is like the Swiss Army knife of the church. He, it's impressive to watch him. I can tell how much he loves you guys. He loves your church. And uh, man, I'm excited to get to know that guy and connect him to students. I'm excited to have students in this. You guys are what my ministry is about. Students and youth, the next generation, building them up for the kingdom. Amen. I'm, I'm glad to have y'all here. Hopefully I'll keep you without writing and you can you know, be focused because I did tell Grant I go really short because I know less is more. That's why you got all those news. He's like, yes, I get to talk more. No, that's totally a joke. I'm just kidding. Um, so uh, Habib, man, just uh, we'll continue to pray for that family. I, I was sitting over there when Grant was telling the story of him uh, fighting for his family to get to somewhere safe, and it really just hit me, is, man, how, if we could just fight that hard to be with Jesus too, you know, on a daily basis, and that just, man, hit me over the head that everyone in this room is, if that's our, our main focus, that we'll get there. So uh, before I begin, I want to go ahead and introduce a few things to you. Number one, this is my first team, my home team. This is my family. They're sitting right there, my wife, Jessica. I uh, got my, my little man, Caden James. He's right here. He's eight. This is my Sadie Grace. She's over there. And the one we left in the children's area, you're welcome, is uh, Sloane Collins in the middle. That, that's just, uh, man, my family. Thank you, babe, for, for being my, my rock and my, my helper so much. All right, let's go. Next slide. This is the ministry I serve, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Uh, go ahead. You can go ahead in the next slide. Um, I just want to tell you just a quick bit about our vision and mission and why God has me in this stream of, of his church. Our vision, which you may not be able to read over here, is we want to see the whole world impacted for Jesus Christ through the influence of coaches and athletes. Sports is the one thing that connects everyone in the world. So we want to use that for the kingdom of Jesus is, is really our, our, our big mission there. Our, and our vision is this. It's pretty simple in this area. You could really say the word discipleship, because that is our mission, like that is what we do, but we frame it as this. We want to lead every coach and every athlete in Denton County into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and his church. We teach our ministry, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes is great, but we are not the bride of Christ. This right here is the bride of Christ. We connect all churches from all over Denton County as a bridge uh, to schools. Uh, reminded of a story, Lakeland Baptist in Louisville, the youth pastor, just like Grant, called me one day. He's like, Corey, they won't let me into Louisville. I just want to go and have lunch, which was a thing back in the day. But now they have these security checkpoints, you know, where you have to give them a DNA sample and all this stuff. Don't, yeah, it happens. But I was like, oh, man, hey, well, come with me. So we went to the office. Hey, he's with FCA. We have a meeting upstairs. Great. He's in. Let's come meet the head coach, Coach Odell, with me. 
Their church has been serving every single varsity football player uh, dinner for six years, sharing the gospel to, the, to every football player through that school since then. So that's, that's kind of the, the kingdom-minded partnerships our ministry can, can, can create. Uh, let's, keep it, let's keep it going. There we go. Here's our staff. That's me. This is my team. This is the biggest blessing, really. My, my role now is to lead and train my staff who are connected to uh, the schools. You can think of us as local sports missionaries. That's really what we are and what we do. And uh, so we got Chris Michal, who's one of our newest staffs right there, who's in Louisville. Tom Swartz, he is uh, uh, Lake Dallas, Little Elm, all the way to up 377, about as far as you can imagine. He will go that far, I promise you. He puts a lot of miles in his car. This is Whitney Jones, who does a great job discipling Texas Women University athletes. If y'all watched the basketball team last night, she spent countless hours with those girls, empowering them, helping them character. She's an amazing discipler for young women. Played basketball at OU, um, awesome athlete herself. This right here, by far my favorite staff member, Jessica Largent. She's our, our part-time uh, admin. She keeps us in order, all of our stuff. And then this is our newest staff who just started fundraising this week. Uh, Dan Reed, longtime friend of mine. The Lord has just connected our hearts in ministry, and he's going to do amazing things. In Crum, Denton, go north towards Gainesville. So that's our team that I lead. And uh, yeah, let's get into the message here. Before I want to get into this message, I have a few people that I want to thank. I want to start with the first person who ever discipled me on a one-on-one basis. That's Dr. Jeff Williams, the pastor of First uh, Baptist in Denton. We spent two years together, and I would ask him questions. Hey, teach me how you pray, right? Teach me how you love your wife. Teach me how you love your kids. Teach me how to do ministry. And he spent that time uh, really... That's it, discipleship, right? He shared his life with me. Uh, I want to thank my current boss with FCA and mentor, Michael Santiago, uh, who taught me how to memorize scripture, who taught me how to slow down for loving union with Jesus. He taught me that, Corey, okay, those are great ideas, but hey, are you with Jesus first and foremost? He taught me how to memorize scripture. You, want, you young people want to grow in your faith? The fastest thing you can ever do is memorize scripture with a purpose. Okay, that will take you to the next level faster than anything you can do. I want to thank a guy in Dallas who's discipling me now. And here's just a quick nugget for you. We're never done being discipled. Amen? Right? We're never, none, we're never done growing. God will, we're never done learning more about Jesus, experiencing him. And right now I'm with a, being discipled by a man in Dallas named Dr. John Tolson who wrote a book called The Four Priorities of Discipleship. He's been doing this thing for 45 years, seeing 45,000 people replicate their discipleship across the United States of America. Uh, by the way, a lot of the illustrations I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you full credit, came from him, especially the empowerment piece. Just keep that in the back of your mind for later. I want to give him full credit. And if you're looking for a great book on discipleship, get the four priorities. It's, it's amazing. And I thank board members who helped me. Craig Gray right there. You can wave. Guys who say, hey, I want to join this mission you're on, and I want to serve you and help you. I mean, there, there's nothing better than that. So, uh, all right. I have been, God has been brewing this message for you for about a week in me. And the first thing, he, the first word he gave me was legacy. I just know that this is a church that's going to build a legacy for Christ. I know that. I feel that. And, and I want to just encourage you with this. What does it mean to leave a legacy of faith? And I want to start by a personal story with my family. You see this plaque over here, this very ugly thing with beautiful words on it, was literally hanging on my grandparents' house from when I was a kid. 
I was drawn to it. It says, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy paths. I was always drawn to it since I was my son's age and I could, I could read. I would go to their house off Northwest Highway in Dallas, and uh, I would always go to the kitchen where this hung. It's about this big. I could have brought it. I was going to let you all kind of look at it like a classroom, but I thought that'd be kind of weird, so I just put it up here, right? Um, so I was always drawn to it. Something about it just always resonated with me. I didn't have a clue that it was in the Bible, right? Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Had no clue. I just knew that this is significant. I knew that this is something right here. And so years went by. I never told anyone in my family, never told my grandma, my grandpa, never told my parents. It's just something about this was special. Well, my grandfather passed away in the seventh grade. It was a, it was a big deal for me. We were very close. We'd go to the, the, the lake together. We'd feed ducks with popcorn. I love my grandpa, my papa. So he passed away. Grandma stayed in that house for many years, never mentioned anything. And then one day she had to sell her house and move in uh, with my, my aunt. And I was like, Grandma, the one thing I want is this thing right here. And we still have it, right? And she kind of laughed. She's like, out of this whole house, why do you want that thing? So I told her, like, this is the first thing the Lord used me to, to, to bring him into, into his kingdom. Into, there was something special about it. She goes, well, let me tell you where we got that from. The lady who led your grandfather to Jesus in 1952 gave him this as a gift. How crazy and creative is our Holy Spirit that he would draw me under his kingdom using the legacy of this lady in 1952 whose name I don't know, whose handwriting I do see on the back of it, who marked that date that she led my grandfather to Jesus and gave him this as a legacy piece. I know you in this room will also leave a legacy of faith. It may not be using this not very pretty piece right here through your family and maybe something different, but it's going to be creative and it's going to be cool and it's going to be special for you, right? And I want to encourage you about leaving a legacy of faith. So one person I didn't mention, I forgot to thank for this, was my current pastor, Pastor Ben DeBoof. We went and had coffee for an hour. I was, I, I was a little nervous for you guys, right? It's good nerves though, you know, because it shows how, how important this day is, how important God's word is to, to share with you guys. And so Pastor Ben told me this. He goes, Corey, you don't have a sermon unless you can put your sermon in one sentence. I was like, bro, I got three pages here. Come on, one sentence? So I really started praying to that. And here's the sentence he gave me. It's right here. It says this. It says, uh, let me get my papers back in order from the first one. It says, the life and mission of Christ is reproduced through you when you abide in him, when you are empowered by his Holy Spirit, and when you respond obediently to his word. Let's pray and get into this message. Dear God, we're just so thankful for you, for what you've done in and through the people in this room. We're thankful for your goodness, your kindness, your gentleness. We're thankful for your love that you bestow upon this. Father, please hide me behind your hand. Holy Spirit, come. Speak through me. Speak your words. Fill me with your presence that, that this room will not see me, but they will see you as we point to the goodness and graciousness of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, uh, we just ask for your empowerment. We ask for your leading. We declare no spirit of this room, but the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So let's, get, let's take this sentence again that I said. The life and mission of Christ is reproduced through you, right? If you want to re reproduce the life and mission of Jesus, it's when you abide in him, abide means to live in, when you live in Jesus, when you have his Holy Spirit empowering you, and when you respond obediently to his word. What is the life and mission of Jesus? That's the first thing we need to figure out. I put this down. 
The life and mission of Jesus is this. He was a man living fully connected to the Father. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he was about his Father's business. What was the Father's business, you ask? It was this. It was centered around seeking and saving the lost. Your mission should be similar, right? You should be about the Father's business, seeking and saving the lost. You are not the answer to their problems. You are a signpost pointing to the answer, and that's Jesus Christ, right? Amen? Yeah, you get a little Pentecostal coming out. I like it. Y'all speak out in this, in this, in this church. We're good. Let's go to our first, our first uh, verse right here, please. There we go. 1 John 1.29. I love this. When John the Baptist said this, he said this. The next day he saw Jesus coming, right? You see Jesus coming. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I, I just really, really feel like that right there is the mission statement of Jesus Christ in one sentence. And as us, as disciples of Jesus today, we have the same mission statement, right? And again, we're not the source of that saving. Jesus is. We're the one pointing to him with the help of the Holy Spirit. The first thing I told you in our sentence, when we want to replicate, when we want to be the life and mission of Christ, when it's going to reproduce you, you have to abide in Jesus. Let's break that down. Next verse, please. That takes us to what does it mean to abide in Jesus, you ask? Great, great question. Abiding means living in. What does Jesus say about this? Let's look at John 15, verses 4 and 5. And I think the words are right there, right? Jesus said this. He said, Jesus says, abide in me. Jesus said, or live in me, and I will live in you. I will abide in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me, Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Let's say that again. Apart from Jesus, we can do? Young folks right here, what can you do without Jesus? Nothing. Amen. Good word. There we go. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. I promise you there's tons of people right now doing things in this world apart from Jesus. True or not true? Go to, go to Fry Street on Thursday night. They're doing something, and I promise you it's not connected to Jesus. I think Jesus is saying in this sentence right here, do you want to do something that means something? Do you want to do something and leave a legacy that will last hundreds of uh, years after you're gone? You're going to do it connected to Jesus. You're going to abide in him. You want to have life? Your life starts by being with Jesus. Let's break this uh, metaphor down. I told this in the first church, and it's still true today. I have literally never put my eyes upon a grape vine. Like, a, I guess it's a bush where grapes grow. I don't know. Haven't seen it in a person. Many of you may have seen it, may have not. I know I could probably go to Grapevine, the city, and I think there's that somewhere, vineyards. But I have not seen it yet. So I like to think of a tree. Can y'all picture a tree right here? Yeah, true. Right here, next big old tree right here. Right, trees, branches, limbs. You know, maybe fruits coming down. Great. Good job. Um, there's a tree. This may not be correct. I like to think of the trunk of the tree as a vine. Any plant experts in here, you can give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. But let's think of the trunk of the tree as the vine like Jesus is talking about here. Eric, there we go. Thumbs up for my son. Thanks, bud. <laughs> my eight-year-old knows. So Jesus is saying this. Jesus is saying, I am the trunk of the tree, right, with roots that goes down for nutrients. He goes, you're the branch, Okay, we had to get our trees, our trees trimmed recently from our neighbor Coit, cut down a lot of branches. When those branches fall off, they get disconnected from that trunk. They die really quickly. Jesus even says that in Scripture later on. He goes, if you do not connect to me as the branch, you will die, you will shrivel up, we'll use, her for, use you for firewood. So anyways, Jesus is saying you, as disciples of him or apprentices from Jesus, are like the branch. 
you need to what? Be with the vine. You need to be connected to Jesus. And Jesus says, my life will flow through you as you're connected to me. Then you will bear much what? Fruit. Fruit. Amen. There we go. You'll bear much fruit by being with Jesus. Y'all hear that? Your main thing to live a life of legacy for Christ is to be with Christ. There is a temptation of ministry. I have made this mistake in the past, and it leads to dryness in ministry. When you do things in your own power, your own way, that seemingly are good for the kingdom. Does that make sense? You can do good things for the kingdom apart from Jesus and not be connected to him. And you get tired. You get worn out. Things don't work because it's not you're not connected to the source of life. You're not connected to the source of everything, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. If you hear anything from me in this sermon today, it's this. Everything starts about being with Jesus in a deep, abiding relationship with him. You are called to live in him, and he says, I will live in you, and then you'll bear much fruit. Let's move on in our sentence. The second thing I said, if you want to be on life and mission of Christ to be reproduced in you, you need to abide in him, and then you need to be empowered by his Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you a quick little story. This is a story I got from Dr. Tolson. I think it's so perfect for this. I want you to imagine for me that you're building a brand new house. This is your dream home. It's got all the technology in the world that you can imagine. It's got those fancy appliances that connect to the internet. We have one of those. We don't even know what it does on the internet, but somehow it connects and does something. You have cameras all over because you know your kids are crazy. You got to watch them in a room. They'll tell them what they're going to do. That's my three-year-old for y'all, just so you know. Uh, I mean, you've got the golf simulator downstairs. You know, if you like to golf, it's got the screen. Yeah, top golf in your house. Amen. Yeah, you don't like that? You want something else? Baseball simulator maybe? Something like that? Anyways, whatever you want technology-wise, you got it. It's there. This house is built. They give you the keys to your house. It's ready. It's so beautiful. You walk up. You open a door. You go to turn the lights on, and guess what? Nothing happens. There's no power in your house. There's no power to the house. It's cold. It's dark. You go to the golf simulator. It's just a white screen, and it's dark, and you just have to hit balls to nothing. You don't have the things you're looking for. Then your neighbor comes by and knocks. Like, hey, I'm with the power company. He tells you, your house right here has everything you need, but it's not connected to the power grid. They forgot to connect your house to the source of power. He goes, I can do this for you, right? You want me to help you with that? You have two options. Do I stay in the cold, dark house, or do I let my neighbor connect me to the source of power? I mean, I think the answer is obvious, right? If you want that golf simulator screen really cool with all the courses on there, you're going to be connected to the power. That's a picture of the Holy Spirit. That's a picture of the life of the believer. If you're not connected to the power source, you're going to be like that house, and things are going to be really, really hard, right? Life is hard as it is. Life is hard when you're connected. But if you want it really, really hard, don't connect to the source of power. Let's look at some verses that, that shares this. Our next verse is in Acts. Uh-oh, we're out of order here. There we go. Uh, by the way, technology, evil is true. Went to print all this in a nice, even thing today, and my wife can testify. The one time my printer doesn't work properly is when I come to speak to you, but it's okay. That happens all the time. We got this. Look at Acts 1.8. It says this, you will receive power. Say power. Amen. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Next verse, please. John 15, uh, 26 talks about the helper. Okay, you want power, you connect to the power source, that's the Holy Spirit. You want help in your mission for Christ to make 
uh, disciples, here's your helper. But when the helper comes, that's the Holy Spirit, who Jesus says, I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me, say been with Jesus, right? There we go, talk about being with Jesus, talk about needing the helper. I promise you, if you want a mission to make a legacy for Christ, you're going to need a helper. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the empower. He gives you power. He gives you help. Go to our next verse. Let's look at Galatians. Galatians 5, uh, 16 through 26 says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, say led by the Spirit. Yeah, there we go. That's a key verse, right? You want to do big things? Let the Spirit lead you. We don't lead the Spirit. I've tried that. Doesn't work. Not fun. You want to let the Holy Spirit lead your ministry. Lead what he has for you. Let me find a spike here. You are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, Paul said, as I warned uh, you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But if you want the fruit of God, from the tree example, right, being with Jesus, right, will create the fruit needed, Here's the fruit he's talking about. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit is this, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is key right here. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This, this verse right here shows us that we need a power source. We need a helper. We need a leader to show us the way. Okay? And it says we need to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. I am so thankful keeping in step with the Holy Spirit does not involve dancing. Or I would not be with it at all, as my wife can testify. Terrible at dancing. But I do get what he's talking about, being in step with the Spirit. That's his timing, his way, his glory, and then you will do great things for the kingdom. That is part of leaving a legacy for faith. Now, the last main topic I have for you, let's, let's, let's recap a little bit, guys. We got what? Abide in Jesus, right? Live in him. He's going to live in you. You need to be empowered by the what? The power, the power source. Who's the power source? God. Yeah, God, the Holy Spirit. Third, you need to respond obediently to his word. Next verse, please. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, uh, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for trainings in righteousness. God's word is our anchor. God's word is, I love the example that Tommy Nelson at Denton Bible gave a while back as, as for the Bible. He gave the, the example, excuse me, of an anvil. Do y'all know what an anvil is? Uh, something where you 
Yeah, there we go. I like it. Yeah, something you make tools on, something you make swords on, something you make knives on. It's that funky cone-shaped piece that blacksmiths heat up metal and they bang against it, right? Metal, things are being banged against this anvil constantly like God's word. I promise you the world is trying to tear down God's word today. The issues that you see in society, I know for a fact it's all about God's word being torn down in one day right? So the blacksmith is banging his instruments against this anvil, but what is always there? The anvil. It's the rock. It's the piece that stays. You want to be awesome for the kingdom of God? You get God's word in your heart. Scripture says in Psalms 119 that you hide God's word in your heart that you might not sin against him. So as we move forward, let's go to the next verse here. I love this verse in Luke's, probably one of the things I teach on constantly. It's a verse in scripture that says, build your house in the rock. I will be honest with you. I have taught this verse uh, incorrectly. What I taught was true and good. It just wasn't what this verse says because I didn't read in depth enough until God was, you know, lightly corrected me as the last verse told us, right? (laughs) Everything I said was true. It just wasn't this verse. I would teach that build your house in the rock means Jesus is the rock, right? If you build your house on Jesus, which is true, your house will stand. That is true. Let's read what this verse says. The first line of this scripture uh, says this. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? He says, let me tell you what someone is like who, uh, let, me, let, let me tell you, oops, sorry, why, and not do what I tell you. Everyone comes to me and hears my words. I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood rose, the stream broke against that house and it could not be shaken because it had been built well. But those who, hears my, those who hear my words and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the foundation without a foundation. The stream rose against it, and immediately that house fell. That house fell. Let's talk about this, this little section here, then I'll close in prayer. What does it mean to build your house in a proper foundation? It means to be obedient to God's word. Say obedient. obedient. Yeah. You got to know God's word, and then you have to obediently do what it says. I love that first line right there. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? If you're in this room and you call Jesus Lord, shouldn't we listen to him? Right? I mean, it's, it's pretty simple, right? And then Jesus gave this great analogy again of a house um, and a house being built, right? The first thing they build today in a house is a foundation. They spend a lot of time on this foundation. They got to make sure it's level, it's poured correctly, because that's going to be the piece that really holds the house together. Jesus says the foundation for your life needs to be obediently serving, obediently reading and doing what God's word says. And guess what? Jesus says that this life will bring you troubles. It will be hard. Notice that same storm, that same flood hit both houses, right? That same strong wind hit both houses. The house built on sand is someone who reads, reads God's word and doesn't do it. They're probably a believer who loves Jesus. They're saved by grace through faith like all of us, but they're not obediently serving God's word. Their house is on sand. And when the rivers flow, when the winds blow, that house is going to what? Fall. You want your house to stand? You want your life to stand through those storms? It's, it's an obedience to God's word, empowered by a spirit, and abiding in Jesus. Guys, I, I just pray and hope that I see all these things flow out of this church, legacy of faces, pieces all over the place. You are called, as if you're a believer in Jesus, you're called to be on mission with him. You're called to make disciples as Jesus did. He is your apprentice. He's my apprentice. 
I want you to find someone that can pour into you, and I want you to find someone and let God's word flow through you to them. That's how we leave, leave a legacy of faith. I want to end by, by praying and uh, love to meet anyone in here with my wife outside, and I'm just so excited what this church is going to do. Let's pray. Dear God, we're so thankful for you, for your kingdom, for uh, how you want to use imperfect people like me to, to share in this mystery of, of your gospel. Father, I pray right here, if there's anyone in this room who does not have an abiding relationship with you, they don't know what it's like to be with you and know you, that today they will, they will make a, a decision to come out to the hall to find one of these pastors to come and say, help me that I may be connected to Jesus. Father, we just thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the, on the cross for our sins, that it's not about us, but it's about him. Thank you for the freedom we have in Jesus. Thank you for the empowerment that you gave us of your Holy Spirit, and thank you for your word that is the core that holds us firm. I just pray blessings over this church. I pray the legacy of faith that exudes out of everyone in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.